Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Bram, we're back on a Monday evening. It's beautiful here in the in the QC. It's hot, Danny, and hot, it, hot, it, hot. It, it, it's a lot hotter than it was in Dublin, Ireland. Welcome back to U.S. Soil. We back, baby. We're all the way back. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Welcome back. It's great to see you, John. You look amazing. Uh, had a great time. You're right. It is hot. Nothing made me feel like I was immediately home than walking off that plane into the jetway. Uh, from uh, Flew in an eight-hour flight direct from Dublin, and I just walked into like a sweltering oven of a, of a skyway just to like walk, get back into the airport. It was insane. I was like, we're home. We're definitely home. And it's so funny. This little, there was a family, there was an Irish family right in front of me getting off the plane. There was a mom and two like really young kids. And the mom's like, Ooh, it's hot. And the little boy's like, It's not hot, mama. I love it. It's warm. I, it's like so funny, this little Irish kid. So, uh, yeah, that's, you know, should we talk about the weather? I guess we should. It was, uh, uh, it's, it's been great. And I missed you guys. I missed the Queen City, missed the show, missed the club. So glad I didn't miss any matches, but I did miss. I didn't miss any Charlotte FC matches, but I missed some matches at the Fortress, which you'll be telling us about a little bit uh, yourself. The United States men's national team at the Fortress against Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, you know, it's something, uh, Danny Rams, it reminds you of past failures mm-hmm. of the United States men's national team when you play that kind of fix- fixture. And we, we went to this match and, and we enjoyed it. I uh, saw some TIFOs there, Michael Volak. I saw Jenny there as well. Uh, saw the crew there. I uh, was with Chad Polavoy, uh, Julian as well. And then, oh, really? Uh, Kev- oh, yeah, good. Kevin Anderson came to the. So it was like, it was a, it was a really good crew there, Danny. Yeah. And the, the buzz in the building was massive. Like, if you uh, think about a Charlotte FC match, um, just you, you could you could really take it up uh, a next level when you think about like there there was a there was a moment early in the match where the United States men's national team scored early and everyone kind of knew they were going to score early. Mm-hmm. The buzz in the place was just like first fifteen minute goal is happening, and that. that type of vibe at the Fortress. I hope it rolls into. Uh, Saturday night against Cincinnati. But first, obviously, we're going to talk about the match against New York City FC on on Wednesday. And uh, this was really what, what the vibe was like. off mr ferrera wow yeah a hat trick in back-to-back matches for jesus ferrera and it was uh an absolute scene on sunday evening there and the vibe was was incredible and uh it just goes to show when when goals happen the crowd can really get into it uh there was an amazing wave there was just a great experience danny i think like um it's it's something that charlotte FC fans and Charlotte soccer fans should be proud of. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty cool that it's a doubleheader. I heard a, a lot. Most folks did leave. At least half the stadium left after the U.S. game. But I heard great things even about the Honduras-Haiti game that came after. Uh, I have a friend in New York who flew in who's a big Haiti fan. Uh, and he loves the, he loves the Haitian national team. Came all the way from New York to Charlotte to watch uh, watch them play. So I was sad I missed him. I'm sad I missed you. Sad I missed everyone that you mentioned. Uh, would have been great, you know. Right ahead of July Fourth, pretty awesome. And I thought it was cool. You mentioned so first. I want to ask you. You said the scene was electric, and you said it was great, and I'm sure it was. But then I also saw some people like trying to tweet out there. They're like, oh, the the match, the U.S. atmosphere didn't match a typical Charlotte atmosphere. But you're saying it was at least on par. Like, is there a comparison there, or was it just something totally different? I, I think the Charlotte FC supporter section might might typically be a little bit more rowdier than it was. Mm-hmm. And the American Outlaws showed out, Danny. So I think if you want to boil it down to that, yes, I think that typically a night in the Charlotte FC supporters section is a little bit more rowdier than the American Outlaws supporters section was. But mm-hmm. in these Gold Cup matches with the C team playing, it's tough to get you know that type of crowd. But to get 40,000 people in there, the, the, the upper deck was open. I, I'm very interested to see what type of – attendance there is on saturday night against cincinnati because remember the upper deck against cincinnati is open as well uh yeah that's gonna be awesome i think i think it's really going to tell us a lot if we uh don't see a huge crowd like i I think it's an ambitious move to open things up on the uh on the big one you know uh, to open the because fc cincinnati their first place there's a lot of July 4th buzz. I get it. It's a holiday week and, and it's all well and good, but I'm a little bit nervous as to what attendance is going to be with that upper bowl. I hope we sell a ton of tickets. And, you know, I know it's kind of a, it's kind of a downer week. We didn't necessarily talk about this in show prep, but it's been on my mind. I actually did post something about it earlier uh, that uh, LAFC and LA galaxy announced a sellout crowd for the Rose bowl. Uh, for their July 4th match. It's going to be 80,000. It's going to break Charlotte FC's uh, record that we hold, unfortunately. So our re- our record uh, for the most attended game in MLS history is going to go down after a year and a half. And we saw this coming. It was supposed to be opening weekend, and then it got pushed back. So uh, it, it's it's a little too too bad to see the way they did it because I, I have I consider it a fake record uh, because it's, neither of LA team actually plays in the Rose Bowl. The Galaxy played there until – like 2002, I think, and then they moved into their stadium. So it's been 20 years since they used it. They'll ne- neither team will go back and use it again. So uh, it sucks, but like, it's like, where do you think we're at with crowds? You know, what's the what's the the crowds are kind of shrinking. You know, our, our ad- announced attendance continues to be over 30,000 a match, and and that's great. But like, you and I both know when we look around the stadium, right uh, at a home match. There's not as many people as there were this time last year. That's fair. I think the attendance is probably somewhere around twenty three thousand, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Probably around twenty thousand, which is awesome. All I'm yeah. saying is, is that there was more people at the match, uh, United States versus Trinidad and Tobago, on on Monday night. I'm not saying that's a, a bad thing. I'm not saying that's something that Charlotte FC fans should um, see as an issue. I'm just saying that the the crowd, and I want to give a special shout out to the Honduran fans, okay. The fans of Honduras, uh, they were—they're the ones that set the tone, okay. Right, the 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 tailgate scene outside of the fortress at 
you know, a couple hours before the games on a day that is, you know, sweltering heat. The the the, the setup was fantastic. Was there a uh, uh, street fest? Was Mint Street open? Did they have like vendors and stuff on Mint? No, no, nothing. Nothing set up by the Gold Cup. Nothing set okay. up by the. But that, that was fine because the tailgates in the lots were were just 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 fine. You know, if you Good. if you if you went up under the underpass and you went south on Mint Street. Mm-hmm. bunch of tailgates set up all the way down Mint Street. Just go big, yeah. Yeah, so like those those uh, those parking spaces that are near Hopfly that you can pay to get into, they're usually kind of dead. Mm-hmm. All, all those lots were just like pumping. <laughs> Jamming. Yeah, I love pumping it. with a party. So it was a it was a really nice showing uh, by the city. We say we say Charlotte is what a soccer city. We we say it on the show point. a lot. Very good point. And that's why I wanted to leave with this this conversation about the united states men's team being here on fourth of july weekend just wanted to give props to the people here in the carolinas who showed out and showed up for the usmnt and especially showed out for uh a a local product thanks for all the support tonight on to the knockouts happy to score my first goal in in my hometown so see you guys in the knockout round let's go boosio 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 Dude, bring him home, Jean-Luca. Jean-Luca, who knew, man? I mean, the the Greensboro kid got to play here in Charlotte area. Uh, he's been a great prospect. He was one of the most talented young teen play, teenage players in MLS a couple of years ago for Sporting KC. Went to Italy, you know, went made his European move. His had a hard time busting into the lineup there. Uh, I think it was Venice, Venezia. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, that's right. And then they got relegated, and so he's just had all kinds of issues trying to launch his career in Europe. He, he's been, he's had, he's Busio's given some hints about a potential return to MLS. He kind of pops up in here and there in various American settings uh, from time, American soccer settings from time to time. And I know they would, they would take him back in a heartbeat at KC. I know KC fans would love to have him. But hey, we're looking for players, man. He's like, yes, we, we he's are. A kid, let's go. Could he yeah. become one of our own? Yes, yeah. and that, that's Gianluca Busio. It's like, are we going to say in the at, at the keep, Busio, Busio, Danny? We need this guy. I mean, he's somebody. It's a no brainer. I mean, he could probably uh, he could probably sing the Italian lyrics to Volare. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it's like whoa, whoa. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they wouldn't have to dumb it down on the uh, on the on the scoreboard's uh, lyric sheet for him. Um, if, I, if I'm Zoran Cronetta. I I see that and I ask myself, hmm, interesting. Wonder who that guy's agent is. Wonder who I can talk to to probably put a bug in his ear to say, hey, we'd love to have you here in 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 Charlotte to play for Charlotte FC. Mm-hmm. And if you think about what the transfer market uh, value is, uh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I think ultimately his current market value is three point seven million euros, and that to me feels like something that is attainable from this or by this organization yeah the only question becomes does does he do we need a dp contract to really pay him what he would want to get paid you know that, that at that right. point yeah and, that, and that's where you the, buy use vx yeah down yeah, the, and that's this the conversation mythical, we've always we're, had we're buying camille down you know yeah, eventually it's gonna have to happen right so, yes, yeah, yeah, that's it we've kept talking about it happening so who knows if it ever actually will but i, I and that the speaking of camille he should be back in the starting lineup this week um 
Yeah, I would love to see a Busio. I, I I would have to think our scouts have an eye on him. Zora and Thomas, the, all the all the crew has got to be taking a look at a guy like that. There's got to be some interest. I really think personally, I think we're going to see a kind of a little bit of a mini wave of this. Uh, and the crest of this wave would eventually, of course, be Christian Pulisic in a couple of years if it were to happen. But like, I think a lot of these MLS guys who have gone and made their European move. The league has continued to even get better. The level of MLS has risen year after year after year. And some of these guys have made a move. And now two years into their moves, you know, they might be looking back and thinking, eh, did I really need to leave? Maybe I should have just stuck at home the whole time. I'm thinking of a guy like Busio who can't get any playing time. Ricardo Pepe was dying in Germany before he finally has some new life move into the Dutch league. And that's going to be great for him. But there's other guys. George Bello was in the German league. He's on his way back now, supposedly going to Real Salt Lake. He was an Atlanta prospect years ago. Uh, some other guys, I, you know, some of these guys are going to stick in Europe. Uh, Austin Trusty, potentially maybe another one center back uh, that went from the Rapids to Arsenal, but was loaned out to the championship and stuff like that. So I just think, and, and people have mentioned Christian Pulisic might be someone who, who could be, headed back to MLS in two years, two, three years. So I, uh, I I wouldn't be surprised to see sort of a new wave of like MLS returnees, if that makes sense at, at some point. Well, I just wanted to call that out as something that I thought about coming a- after last night, just seeing him uh, put in a great shift, uh, scoring a goal, calling it his, his hometown, uh, just kind of thinking about young prospects, American prospects, which by the way, I think another take that I have after watching last night's matches, I think that uh, Mackenzie Gaines and Ben Bender coming off the bench in that match would have been uh, would have been a really fun show. I'm not saying that they should, you know, be on the squad, but I, I think that their quality is enough to. I wish there was a way in a in a competition like the Gold Cup for there to be open roster spots for. Americans on MLS teams who could potentially be in the lineup in in a squad and get time when the score is five nothing. Yeah, and like in a host it, city. it could it could be like a rotating open spot for like host city uh, club American of the of the week to come in who could who would potentially be available. That's a great idea. I've, I didn't even ever think of that. But you're see you're being innovative now, John. You're using that big brain ears, and I'm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just I, I felt like Ben Bender or Mackenzie Games could have came on the pitch, and it would have been a really nice night. And I think in that squad, we we saw a lot of MLS players, a lot of young guys who have committed their time and energy to to being with the program during this time of the year. But uh, you know, say if they go to Los Angeles, you know, pick an American off one of the LA teams mm-hmm. and throw them on the squad, and you know, let them train with the team for a week, and yeah. and potentially be subbed in. In a, in a moment like that. So uh, that was one of my other takeaways from the match. And it was, it was uh, a night where I learned about a kid, Danny, that I quite frankly never heard of before. Tell me about this kid, Danny. Cade Cowell, Cade Cowell, the surfer boy. Uh, what what a what a legend he looked like the other night too. Yeah. Uh, so this is an example of where, if you're really into Charlotte FC, you may know a lot about teams that we've played. You know, you may hate Red Bulls for very good reason, etc. But there's other teams in this league that we have not even played yet. San Jose Earthquakes would be one of them. Cade Cowell plays for San Jose Earthquakes. FC Dallas 
would be another one. We're going to play them at League's Cup, but Jesus Ferreira plays for FC Dallas. So, like, some of these, like, Western Conference superstars, it was, it was like, a first chance for them to show out in front of, like, Charlotte fans who may not be too familiar. Cowell is awesome, and he's a he's super fast. He's, he's very much kind of like a McKenzie Gaines-type player in terms of being super fast, technically skilled, but still a little raw and unfinished. I, I think Gaines and Cowell compare very favorably uh, – except for the fact that Cal has like huge European interest and McCain's doesn't gains doesn't, I guess. But so maybe I'm giving McKenzie a little too much credit there, but he's my guy. So I'm going to, well, the, the reason why I brought him up, Danny, is because we're talking about Ben Bender. We're, t- we're talking about McKenzie Gaines. Mm-hmm. This kid is exactly who was making the squad instead of those local guys. Exactly. Right? And, so and- I, he, he showed out as well. It was really impressive. He put uh, two players on their back for that goal. When he came he came in the match as a substitute, I want to say, in about the 60, 65th minute. Mm-hmm. And his impact was felt immediately. And you kind of uh, get a sense for when a player comes on the pitch and has the ability to change the tenor of the match. Yeah, play that clip again because it's just filthy. Yeah, I mean, it's the, what he... What he... What he, he does just, is it put, puts two, puts the keeper and the defender on their backside. So funny, man. Amazing. I mean, it was a bit of a romp. I mean, if we're sending our C team, I, uh, who knows? I don't know if that's the best TNT team uh, they have to offer either, but a lot of these sides are getting really outclassed in this Gold Cup so far. That's I haven't been able to watch a ton of action since it's been overnight while I've been out of the country in Europe this week, but I plan to uh, watch some Gold Cup tonight after we're done tape, and I, I will be locked into the Gold Cup because I like it. Uh, for the the rest of the way, and the knockouts are going to be exciting. But there's definitely some mismatches in this Gold Cup, and and like Guadeloupe is is in there getting killed, and uh, Saint Kitts Saint and Saint Kitts, Martin, yeah. yeah. So, but it's sad to see TNT sort of like drop to that level of of the Saint Kitts of, of the world and getting blown out six nothing because uh, TNT is a team that's made life tough for us in Concacaf before in World Cup and Olympic qualifying. Yeah, unfortunately, we mentioned that at the beginning of the show, and I guess we're going to mention that again. So. F them. Yeah, uh, but the future of the U.S. men's team is bright, right? I mean, I mean, with pro- like if the C team can go out there and look really good against continental competition, then something's been going right. Yeah, I guess my my takeaway is that it's another opportunity to go win the gold cup and win hardware, and and let these young kids get a taste of what it's like to to win a trophy for the United States men's national team. So at this point, the expectation is to, to win the gold cup. I heard someone say the gold cup is meaningless, uh, not in the Charlotte FC scene, but in, in another soccer circle is in a totally disagree. Uh, the winner of the gold cup represents CONCACAF in the confederations cup, which is a really fun tournament that always happened the war, the summer before a world cup. So that would be another chance that that would give our team chance to play against the brazil and a germany or something like that potentially in in 2025 ahead of our world cup so i think winning the gold cup is always important uh you want to be the best in your continental conference that's just obvious yeah no doubt about it sometimes it's too simple to even uh yeah. debate it's just like here let's teach a little uh something about soccer here in Concacaf, which mm-hmm. uh it's it's going to be interesting as Concacaf hosts a, the the World Cup in 2026. It's a, it's a joint bid that was accepted. The United States, Mexico, and Canada will all host the World Can't Cup wait. in 2026, uh, which will be really interesting. So yeah, and it's going to be the first ever expanded World Cup. More teams, more action. It's going to be crazy. So Concacaf is going to be uh, become a more familiar word within the United States 
sports vernacular as we get closer to the World Cup. And CONCACAF is not something that people in La Hinch or Kildare, Ireland (laughs) really know what that is. I probably could have passed off CONCACAF as like the name of an Irish village. You know, I'm from CONCACAF, you know, (laughs) just down the way. (laughs) You know, I probably could have tried that number on them for sure. I don't know. uh, But, but, you know, we went to uh, La Hinch, La Scanner, uh, Milltown Mall Bay, you know, uh, Doolin, uh, Galway. And it's like I could have easily said, uh, oh, CONCACAF, you know, yeah. <laughs> my mom, my mom yeah. and my dad grew up in CONCACAF, had a farm, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> could have tried so, that number. You know, so, but yeah, Ireland as, was amazing, dude. As Ireland we talk about these, this global soccer competition, let's just talk about your global trip real quick. You're across the Atlantic. You go to Ireland. It's your first time there on the Emerald Island. Tell the people um, exactly what uh, you came back on U.S. soil thinking about your travels. Well, I've always, you know, wanted to go to Europe really ever since I became a soccer fan, right? Like being being a huge soccer fan sort of, you, you start to follow European teams, you start to get into it. And, and I love history. I love medieval history, which Ireland is big on and huge on. I love, uh, uh, all, I love culture. I love like just, just the difference. I, and I love nature and I love like peacefulness and pastoralness. So like Ireland just like fed my soul, like so, so well. And I also love beer and there's plenty of good times in pubs. Uh, one thing I really loved to do, I noticed, so I, I was so hyped, right? I was so hyped to go on this trip and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to go. I'm going to rep my shirt. I'm going to wear, bring every kid I own. I'm going to rep the <laughs> crown. I'm going to be kissing the badge, you know, and all this stuff. And it's going to be awesome. And like, I'm going to spread the social currency as, as our man, Joe LeBlue likes to say, and I'm going to take it over the Atlantic. And then I get there and we go to Dublin castle the first day. And I'm wearing my, you know, my, uh, my mint kit, my, uh, community kit. Uh, and, uh, and here it was, yeah, here's the, here's the picture. Um, and I thought to myself, wait a minute, (laughs) our logo is a crown. (laughs) These guys famously, (laughs) famously, uh, fought many, many wars to get rid of crowns on this Island. So I was like, wait a second. Uh, was this really the right move? But fortunately, nobody uh, nobody held it against me. Everyone was really nice, and people were happy to see anyone that I was able to engage in a conversation about uh, soccer back at home and and fo- proper football versus American football and all that. They were they were happy to know that I lived in a town that had a club. They wanted to know a little bit about Charlotte FC. So I was glad I was able to uh, to spread the love and. Um, did so many cool things while wearing the, the, the colors of, of this club. You know, I went, uh, I went Hawk, Hawk I went to uh, this place called Ashford castle, which is out in the West of Ireland uh, outside of Galway and did like a falconry school and like learned to uh, hunt with Hawks. And it was just so cool. Took my, uh, I was there with my daughter, my niece and nephew, my sister, brother-in-law and mother. So it was like three generations of, of, Bramlets and Sharps just like go into uh, to the home country. We have Irish heritage or whatnot. So, um, you know, here's a few pictures that I just, you know, you can see the hawk there. I got to hunt with the hawk. The hawk was named uh, Wild after Oscar Wilde. And, I, you know, I lo- famously love uh, a lot of his witticisms and things like that. The coolest place I went, if you see that picture in the upper right, the uh, it's Barna Wood. Barna yes. Wood is like this forest outside of uh, uh, Galway. And 
you know, typical vein self here. I just made a collage of all selfies instead of any like <laughs> of the actual uh, landscape pictures and stuff that I took. But uh, Barna Wood, if you ever do one thing in Ireland, I would just go to Barna Wood because I really felt mystically transported. Like there's places in Ireland that can make you feel like you're going back 500 years, a thousand years, all that, you know, especially in Dublin, the old castles and churches. Barna Wood made me feel like I was 4,000 years back in time in just like a mystical uh scenario where you know they say there's leprechauns that live in there and i thought i saw a few little fairies flying around it was crazy it was magical so really cool to just sort of get in touch with you know the something older than america america's 275 years old ish uh give or take a few years coming up here in about six hours it's our birthday so uh uh very love america love american history uh studied american history very extensively throughout my life and and all that but man th- if you can get in touch with a history that's even that much so much older you know you're gonna start going back a thousand years 1500 years and even thousands like i like i felt in that forest um feed your soul man feed your soul ireland and the uk has a uh ability to, to do that to you considering that world is just so much older than the world on this side of the Atlantic, the new world, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you go back there and you can uh, step into a different time that doesn't exist here um, in the U S and there were, for, there, there's a lot of reasons for that, by the way, there was um, a history and a culture here in the United States um, that existed. <laughs> Very good point. Very good point. And I definitely People don't want to, to discount that because there's, there's definitely things in the, the, this land that can take you as far back as ancient Ireland. I guess I was just more speaking to American history, but you're right. there, there's history yeah. on this continent. That's not American history. And I should, I should never, yeah, but it's a different, that. yeah, but it's a different kind of history. Yeah. exactly. And, and, and both are very interesting. I think, you know, that's part of the reason why we travel and, and um, speaking of traveling, Wait, let me tell one story. Let me tell one story. Oh, you, oh, you got one story. I got story one more again. story. I always have one more story. <laughs> okay, so last you. night, the last night in Ireland, Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, this, the is, pump, this is at the pump. this is the best thing about Ireland. I felt uh, because this it, it kind of happened in smaller ways, but it really crystallized on the final night. We're in a little town called Kildare, which is about an hour outside of Dublin. Uh, stayed the last night and then rode the train to the airport uh, this morning. So, you, you know what they say: you you walk in an Irish pub as a stranger, and you walk out with with a bunch of friends. That's exactly what happened to me. I, I walked into this. <laughs> So I, I left my hotel, which is right on Kildare Square, and there's a stage set up. There's this, like, bad American cover band. They're playing, like, you know, cheer up, sleepy jeans. You know, and <laughs> their big show-stopping closing number was Don't Stop Believing. You know, they're, like, playing all these old, like, American rock, oldies, hits, and stuff like that for this music festival. People are jamming out. There's about a crowd of about 100 people in the stage, all in this square, drinking and dancing. It's great. So I walked through all that. Dipping in this little pub, McCormick and Sons, Tommy McCormick, you know, and his son Parik, and uh, they they were dishing out. It's crowded, it's small, it's cramped, and it's all locals. Everybody everybody knows everybody. Everybody calls your friend. You don't need an invitation. Have a beer and come on in. I uh, so I ordered. I've been drinking Guinness all week or whatever, and I like it. I love. I you're 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 you famously on the show recommended Brams. You got to drink the Guinness. Guinness in Ireland is completely different than the Guinness in the United States. And you were hundred percent right about that. 
uh, it was delicious, and I drank I a bet, ton of Guinness. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm, I'm, I could go for one right now. But I also had to. I really love, you know, a nice red ale. And so I had to get a few Smittics as well oh, nice. mixed in with my Guinnesses. And so I walk into McCormick's, and I, I, I order up a Smittics, and Barkeep pours it and sets it down on the table. I'm just taking in the scene. It's loud, boisterous conversation all around me. U.S. Senior opens on one TV, horse racing, local horse racing on the other TV. And this guy turns to me. He goes, ah, you got the Smittix, eh? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he goes, that's the red diesel. <laughs> we call that the red <laughs> diesel. And I was like, oh, I like oh, that. Beautiful. It's like, give me some red diesel, baby. I need some red diesel. Fuel yeah, me fire up. up this truck. Yeah, Look exactly. So we get to talking. Paul, you know, he, he tells me his name's Paul, and we he's we're we're fast friends. We're instant friends. And he's like, <laughs> what? And it wasn't five minutes before he goes, you like whiskey, son? I was like, love whiskey. And so he goes, ah, two yellow spots. And they bring a couple of yellow spots, you know, on ice. And we're just like, oh, man, I, 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 it was a single pot mash. I learned a little bit more about the, the differences between types of Irish whiskey in terms of malt, uh, blended, bar, you know, single grain barley, sing, single pot still, which is kind of like the re- – single pot still is kind of like the throw everything in and just like – throw all the rest, all the extra stuff in and make some whiskey out of that too. <laughs> yeah. and it was pretty good. So uh, uh, I was liking that. And so we had a fat, grand old time. I mean, I walked out of there, John, and like five guys hugged me. You know, some old geezer named Michael was, you know, I, I gave him a slancha, you know, to your health. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, he didn't, he didn't chase me back. He just pointed at me and he nodded. You know, he like, he was like the oldest guy there that was like, everyone was loving him, but he wouldn't even say a word, Michael. <laughs> And uh, so then I finally I'm leaving. I stumble out of there like an hour and a half later, just like pissed drunk after like about as drunk as I could ever get in 90 minutes. Uh, Stumbling back to my hotel. But one guy, some guy who's even drunker than me on the outside as I'm leaving, he's like, "Yeah, you're from Carolina, huh? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, ah, they screwed Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, dude? He's like. Baker, and then he goes to the Rams and starts winning. I'm like, bro, like what? Like, oh, hell yeah. I didn't come to Ireland to talk about Baker Mayfield, <laughs> and uh, and he's like, you're gonna lose every game without him now. And I was, nah, man, we got Bryce Young. You know, you don't understand. Baker was not it. But then finally, he go, I go, uh, he, I'm leaving, and he goes, hey, North Carolina, who's the favorite son of North Carolina? And I was like, <laughs> uh, Michael Jordan. And he goes, nope. Woo! Ric Flair, baby! Oh, my. <laughs> what a classic. Oh classic. Yeah. So, what a night in Keldar. Uh, love- I mean, just like a classic evening, Danny. You're just hanging yeah. out with all these local guys who are just yeah. like shooting the shit. And mm-hmm. now you are here a day later talking, you know, about Charlotte FC back on U.S. soil. That's a crazy feeling. It's, it's amazing how uh travel works that way sometimes right where that's literally what you were doing last night yeah what a wonderful world that, that you can move in and out and uh yeah, i mean less than 24 hours ago i think i was there right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah so yeah yeah uh, not bad man but we got a game now now it's time to it's it's time to get back to business because we got two games in the next five days if i'm not mistaken right wednesday night at nycfc and saturday against cincy at home uh, let's start. Let's start with Wednesday night. Here's the thing: uh, you talk to a, uh, a podcast, a NYCFC podcast media outlet, about the fact that 
NYCFC hasn't beat Charlotte FC in three tries. They never have. Yeah. Three tries. Yeah. 0 for three. So my yeah, question sure. to you, my question to you is, is it is it time for Charlotte FC to draw or, or lose in this match? Or can they go four for four against NYCFC? I mean, I think we can. Uh, NYC has not been in great form. Uh, they had a actually, so they they had a weird, weird game. I try to stay up and watch all the MLS games. That's the first kickoff was at like midnight 30. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to stay up. I'm going to watch at least the first games and maybe like into the, a little bit of the, the later games. I was, I was asleep 20 seconds, probably 20 minutes. Excuse me. I was, I was asleep 20 minutes after the first kickoff. There's no way I could have stayed up overnight to watch all the games, but I did see the next morning when I woke up that NYC's game at Montreal, Montreal had this insane home winning streak. I think Montreal had won eight or nine in a row at home wins, not even draws wins. And New York City beat them at Montreal. The game was delayed a few, like several hours by lightning. And then it was nil-nil, same score we had going. We we played a nil-nil against Montreal. And then New York City scored like a bang, a golazo in extra time, in uh, stoppage time to to beat Montreal, their first home loss in a while. Before that, New York City had drawn five in a row. And then before that, they were zero wins, one draw, six losses in their last seven so new york city is not really like coming in in a great run of form despite the fact they did sort of have that you know weirdo kind of like lightning to super lightning delay game win against montreal which was good for them they come in tied with us on points but we have a game in hand on them or we we go to them i should say they don't come in at all unfortunately but um I don't know. I talked to Hudson River Blue, as you hinted at, which is a really popular New York City FC blog. They hit us up, uh, wanted me to just ask, answer a few questions about our team for their preview article. And they pointed that out. They said, do you guys consider New York City your punching bag? And I was like, I don't know. Do you think, John, have we earned the right to have a punching bag in this league? Well, the fact speaks for itself, which is that NYCFC hasn't even drawn Charlotte FC. They, yeah. they haven't even gotten a point from us in three tries that's true so this is now the fourth so yes and, I mean, and we were worried about them each time like i always feel like i was always worried about new york city and then we always kill them each time it's kind of weird it, it's one of those things where it's i can from nycfc's point of view you feel like you've got kind of like a monkey on your back when it comes to this game and i think for charlotte fc you might get a boost of confidence uh so so for me it's it's a it's a match where the, the club needs a draw I, yeah. I think I think I think Charlotte FC needs a draw, but the problem is these draws, man. Like they're just totally adding up right now. Yeah, last year we couldn't we couldn't catch a draw to save our lives, right? When the big issue was our inability to turn losses into draws, and now we have a lot of draws this year. We have a ton, and it's like, are these losses being turned into draws, or are these more wins that are devolving into draws? It's, it's, I'd have to do the full math on that, but ultimately. Even as much as we complained about not getting enough draws last year, I don't want to see a lot of draws. I want to see wins. So, yeah, I, I think going into New York, it's always weird. I, I think we'll be playing at Yankee stadiums every once in a while. They, they mix it up to a, they go somewhere else. But I believe we'll be playing at Yankee Stadium, right? Um, that's my expectation. Yeah, that, that that's where the announcement. So, yeah, man, playing in Yankee Stadium always is a weird game. If last year, do you remember we when we were at New York, it was like the one nil win, and we got uh we had we had ten men and we had to like hold on to a one nil win um with ten men. I'm trying to see we, we had a red card in that game 
yeah, Fuchs got a red card in the 55th minute. And so we were up 1-0 on a Rios from Swiderski goal and had to hold on for like 35 to, to hold on to that win. And I remember they were just – we were under constant pressure. So a little bit of a fluky one there. Going into it again, it's – fluky things happen when you're playing on a crap new baseball stadium converted into a soccer stadium. That's all there is to say. Adelson Melanda officially ruled out heading mm-hmm. into this match, Danny. Not so. That's something that uh, we need to to realize as well. Uh, Pablo Cisniega is out as well, so George Marks will likely back up Christian Kalina. Some people still calling for for George Marks to get some some starts, and I don't think it's one of those things where Christian Kalina is like the the number one keeper that doesn't have to worry about his performances. I think uh, Kalina is in a position where he has to play well, uh, and if he doesn't play well, then uh, we can have maybe that conversation as things things open up and, and and go down the line a little bit for this squad. Um, other than that, uh, I'm expecting uh, particularly a pretty healthy squad in the midfield and up front. It feels like this could be uh, a game that has a lot of goals, Danny. I think the starting 11 is, is all, almost 100% locked in with the exception of one little 2v2. So it's almost certainly I'm going to lock in Kalina, Burn, Carujo, Lindsay, and then I'm going to lock in Westwood and Swiderski, and then I'm going to lock in Vargas, Kopetti, and Yushviak. I think Yushviak's back starting based on some hints that uh, uh, Latanzio dropped in a press conference last week. So that leaves one more midfielder, one more center back. It's either going to be Tuoloma and Jones, and Bronico finally gets the rest that we've talked about, or it's going to be Jones center back Bronico in the midfield. I, th- I think that's really the only real, the only question about what our lineup is going to be on Wednesday night. Yeah, it's a good call out. I think that's right. I, I think the the question marks around this squad is is centered around the center back position. Mm-hmm. You know, who is going to play that position every match right now? With, and with Milanda out, all of a sudden that that depth becomes an issue. You have Sobosinski who. Uh, I believe is healthy. That could be an option in that position, but it doesn't seem like Christian Latanzio trusts him yeah. in that spot to play 90 minutes. He's going to play Jones over Sobo next to Carujo. He just is. Well, I know the Sobo fans don't want to hear it, but that's that's a fact of the matter. How about I, – I threw his name out there earlier, man. It may be too hard but because he probably wants to stay in Europe, but, man, Austin Trusty would just be so nice to bring in. I would absolutely love it, but he still has dreams of playing for Arsenal someday, so it's not going to happen, but – it is weird to think of like, would we go out and spend money on a center back? You know, it's not the, not the, it doesn't get your heart pumping type of thing, but, but it wins, wins will always get your heart pumping. And well, I guess it depends what type of center back it is, considering uh, Sergio Ramos is being rumored to maybe <laughs> head to yeah. enter Miami and join up with his buddy, uh, Lionel Messi. Miami's going to be the first team in MLS history with 11 designated players. And everyone's just going to be like, what? Uh- <laughs> How? Yeah, I mean, le- legitimately, this Miami team is the worst team in MLS. Yeah, which to me, I I find that to be kind of part of why this story is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Is because Miami is just horrible. They have 16 points, and only Colorado at 14 has has less. And I, and I asked myself, okay, what does that mean for this new squad that Messi gets injected into? I mean, they, they've got to really vault up the table 
when you look at the Western Conference and you think about what the the table looks like there, they are right now. Um, I'm sorry, the Eastern Conference. I'm looking at West. Oh yeah, Western Eastern Conference. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they're down low. They're I mean, they're they're, they're, low. they're ten points out of ninth. <laughs> yeah. They're ten points out of ninth. And well, they lost. They lost seven league games in a row and then had a, a lucky draw against Austin to, to, so that it wasn't eight. You can't dig yourself a hole so deep and just expect some some Lamborghini players to show up and yeah. get and get you 12, 15 points right. to get they, ninth. They'll be too far because it's going to be – it's still another two and a half weeks from now before any of those guys would show up, right? So it's like – Right. We're talking, we're talking, you know, Miami could be, th- they could be five points even more in the hole by the time Messi shows up from the, before, since we record this. But I will say this, if, if I was an inner Miami fan and I'm not, and I know that we have some very high profile inter Miami fans that live in this city, but if I was one of those people, what I would be saying is we're still in the cup, baby. We're going to go win the U S open cup with Leo Messi. Let's go. <laughs> That's that put everything on the cup. I have to say that I have Z- Leo Messi will not play in the US Open Cup. No chance. You don't think so? Not no. even the final if they make no, it? I don't think All right. so. All right. The cup final? So. That would be like, I mean, I actually would probably think it'd be cool for the US Open Cup, right? I think like the US Open Cup would want that and I, th- and I would prefer them to get it. But I think, I mean, to think about Messi playing in the U.S. Open Cup, I think it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, All right. so let's be real; it's 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 absolutely hilarious. <laughs> uh, and just to to add on um, to to my point about where Inter Miami is on the table, forget about ninth and eighth. Which, by the way, that that's where Charlotte FC is kind of fighting for that position, the play into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You really only get into the playoffs playoffs if you are seventh. You're guaranteed. Right. In right. you don't have to play that extra game. It's kind of like how the NBA works with that yeah. playing. Nine game is a playoff, right? It's yeah. a knockout. Yeah, it's, it's not going to feel the same because those the you don't get you want to be in those three game playoff series. So they're fifteen points behind uh, seventh and eighteen points behind fifth. They're they're just so far down the table that Messi's going to show up and look at the table and be like, "What the right?" And that's with uh, I think that's with like. 19 to play right they're like 15 down with 19 to play something like that it's just like kind of impossible math at that point so from a charlotte fc perspective i think the one thing that you have to worry about is that charlotte fc is in that position to where if inter miami does go on a run they could they're going to take a spot from somebody well that's why decision day just sits here and just looms so large could you imagine if that's a winning win and get in type of game Oh no, I, that would be amazing. That maybe be... maybe I will sell my ticket to that. Point. <laughs> <laughs> um, might have to. That, that offer I can't refuse might finally come in. Who knows? So uh, before we get out of here, Danny, I just want to uh, again welcome you back to U.S. Soil. It's good to have you on on U.S. Soil. It's, it'll it'll be great to see you this week. Uh, we're we're going to get a chance to to watch the the match on Wednesday night and react to it together uh, before. The match on Saturday will host a match without um, Cincinnati's top man, without the top striker. And I think that's a big advantage for Charlotte. I see mm-hmm. Vasquez not available. Vasquez big, not available. Huge. Very for huge. Cincinnati, who got a goal last night, uh, Monday night that or Sunday night that was um, for the United States men's national team. So 
if Charlotte FC could get a, 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 a draw or a win on Wednesday against New York, then all of a sudden you've got a chance to get six or four points this week. And that would be a huge step up on the table at the moment. And uh, technically, you know, whether this is episode 100 or it's not episode 100, you could debate that. Just want to say congratulations to you, Danny, on coming back to the United States and doing episode 100. We waited for this and uh, props to you on your hard work and your uh, dedication to the Charlotte Soccer Show. You knew I was going to bring it up, man. 100 episodes, uh, you know, we didn't need, didn't need any gimmick, didn't need any fanfare off the top, didn't need to pat ourselves on the back. But <laughs> it's been uh, now that we're at the end of the episode, we will do all that and say what a ride it's been. Uh, wouldn't be here without you. Wouldn't be here without Rachel, her support. And we wouldn't be here without the TIFOs. So God bless all, all the people I just mentioned. Hell yes. And the TIFOs and of course my wife, my wife, Rachel, just like absolutely uh, lift us up and let us kind of understand that what we do is, is, is for the crown baby. And we, we say that uh, jokingly, but we have such a great time uh, with the show. We appreciate everybody coming along with the ride for us. We appreciate your support in the world soccer talk, best club podcast uh, award for 2023. We came close, Danny. We came yeah. close. We finished second place in that. So just want to shout out to the TIFOs for voting for us. And um, we, 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 we gave it everything we had and uh, beat some podcasts that I really respect. So yeah. we phoned a friend and phoned a friend and phoned a friend <laughs> for sure. But uh, it worked out. Uh, so follow, follow us on Twitter at for the crown baby. The conversation is always there. Uh, Danny was, was, just because he was in Ireland, he wasn't doing content. Like he was still uh, rocking and rolling from from the Twitter account uh, overseas. Oh, yeah. That we were always hanging out there. Um, I, I guess basically with the current state of Twitter, who knows what, how what, how we're going to be hanging out there? Yeah, but we'll yeah, be hanging yeah. there for sure. Yeah, maybe uh, we, we maybe we'll, we could start a Discord server or something like that if Twitter goes down. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I was I was accused on this trip by my teen daughter for the first time in my life of being chronically online but hey <laughs> if the shoe fits i guess it's one of those things i've been there i've, I've been it's part, there. you know it's part of my job so it just kind of yeah. bleeds over to the personal well there's nothing wrong with being online in ireland and hanging out having a good time and a good vacation and there's nothing wrong with kicking back on a wednesday evening after july 4th happy independence day to all of our american listeners out there every year celebrating fourth of july and this great country's independence cheers to that and for uh wednesday night and that's how i'm gonna wind down my my fourth of july festivities kick back relax watch the match we're gonna be here to talk about it uh danny it's been a it, it's been a pleasure seeing you it's been, it's been a pleasure welcoming you back again on u.s soil uh and until next time for the stars and stripes baby <laughs> <laughs>